I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. The album Adam Caton Holland performs his signature bits, and I can't speak. Uh, the and I hit my microphone, and the artist of the album Adam Caton Holland. My guest this week, Adam Caton Holland. We have not done this since. It's been like maybe eight years since I have, uh, or seven years since I've had somebody come on to talk about their own album. Um, oh, yeah. And Crazy. so, and the last time it was not vinyl. Um, it was Rachel Bloom talking about her, her only album. Um, but, and that was back when I was uh, not as picky about having vinyl people exclusively. Um, but yeah, that's let's get Rachel Bloom rules. Yeah, she's great. She's absolutely great. Also, what I love is I've, I've, I asked you, can I record video? And something has happened with my green screen where it is partially cut off. So again, super professional today. Yeah. Um, I the have your record. The vinyl behind you gotten huge. Yeah, it, it really has. So this this um, this is your record in my hand. Yeah. It is a delightful record. Um, I did a, a little unboxing video, which has not come out yet. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this a very beautiful, like honey orange, honey yellow vinyl. Yeah. Like see-through honey vinyl. Totally. It was a very nice color. How much input did you have on the making of the physical album? I had input, and like I didn't know. I was just pumped to have a vinyl album because I'm a vinyl head and yeah. was really excited about that fact. And I was like, I don't know, just black? And they're like, no, let's do something cool. And then they sent me a couple options, and I got to peruse it. And So they, they led me in the right direction, and then I made the right choice. It's a, I mean, uh, and it is... <laughs> I, I like when people pick a very stoic cover. Like, this is bordering on a Civil War portrait. That's what this is. <laughs> Look at me. I'm bordering on a Civil That's War. That's true. That is true. I will All say right, now, like. is this a quarantine <laughs> no, <posing>. beard? <laughs> is this specifically a quarantine beard, or is this how you would normally live your life? Because I love it. It's longer than normal, but I okay. have a pretty robust beard. In yeah. Typical, regardless. This is, yeah, no, it's this good. Is, uh, yeah, this is Founding Father. <laughs> I have uh, also never had an album. I've never busted out an album and been so distracted by the first 10 seconds of it because they literally, you, someone literally made the decision to dub over Comedy Central with Saddle Creek. Whose decision that, was that? That was Saddle Creek. I love that. They were it's like, fantastic. Because, uh, yeah, it's, I, I talk on the first track about how this is my Comedy Central record. Yeah. Um, and then Saddle Creek, who wound up putting out the vinyl, just dubbed over Saddle Creek. And, like, I realized that I say it again at the end of the album, and I wish we'd done it there, but even just the one is very funny. Oh, no, it's great. I mean, it, it, it's one of those, I don't know, it, 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 again, is it literally, it was a thing where I don't think even I don't always pay attention to the first few seconds. Like it feels like, Oh, this is the introduction. This is, let me settle into the record, but it definitely pulled me into it. Cause I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Was this, yeah. it's, I thought like, did I get some weird copy where it's a uh, copy protected? I'm like, Oh no, that just said Saddle Creek. It, it sounds very illegal. We, what mm -hmm. we experimented with a couple of voices. I wanted to do like the radio head, like fitter, happier, more productive voice. Uh, but they, they, they we, that didn't sound right. So this one sounded funnier. That's very good. No, I, uh, it's delightful. I now we're we're go, we can go all over the place, or we can s strictly talk about the record. But I always, I mean, we usually, even if we talk about somebody's record, um, talk about because it's not the first album you ever made, obviously. No, no. Um, uh, so if you are a vinyl collector, do you have vinyl comedy albums? Let's start there. I have a handful of vinyl comedy albums. Mm -hmm. um, I have I have uh, two couple Bob Newhart's. 
Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have ones that I've gotten from friends. So I have like Rory Scovel gave me his, and then I have Kyle Kinane's death of the party. Yep. Um, but truthfully, I don't often listen to them. Mm -hmm. Like I don't gather around and listen to comedy on vinyl. I'm around comedy so much that it's like, it's not how I spend my downtime, but sometimes drunk alone, I'll be like, let's just throw on this record right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically when I'm listening to vinyl, it's music, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, were you a comedy album kid at all? Or no, just TV no. specials or what? <laughs> this is like the worst, but I think I'm not alone in this. The only comedy, I never listened to comedy growing up. Mm-hmm. Never watched stand-up growing up. Mm-hmm. I loved The Simpsons. I, I loved The Onion. I, I was a comedy nerd. Sure. But I didn't, I wasn't a stand-up nerd. Um, yeah. But one exception was on road trips my dad would throw in. Bill Cosby's fatherhood uh-huh. on uh, just a cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. Laugh our asses off, and that was like the only stand-up I listened to. And now I tell that story, and they're like, "That's not a quaint memory at all." <laughs> know. You know what, though? Here's the thing. But I mean, people get so—it's so funny. People are so hesitant. I I do tell people like, don't pick a Cosby album because I won't talk about it on the show, like as the subject of it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you yeah. can't erase like the fact that that was a thing that your family shared. It's some, yeah, it's some zeitgeist stuff. I'm not uh-huh. gonna, I can't, I can't take it out of the zeitgeist. You can't. I had a, I had a math teacher in high school who would tell because I had never heard Cosby bits. I'd only seen the show, uh, and uh, he would tell Cosby bits as though they were his. Like oh, the, nice. the chocolate cake for breakfast was his story and he was yeah. such a good storyteller. I'm like, you know, that's fucking good. That is, that's a solid piece of work. He pulled a Greg Fitzsimmons before Greg, Greg Fitzsimmons started actively stealing Cosby's bits just to take them back, which I really love that he did. For that's amazing. It's one uh, of my favorite your teacher. I mean, whatever works, right? Yeah, You're right. In the for nine hours. Throw out some Cosby bits. Who cares? Why not? They were entertaining as fuck. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's the funniest man I've ever met. And then later on, he actively was like, you know, those were Cosby bits I was doing. No, I didn't know that. How is that? And just to fuck with us. Very good stuff. I mean, you know, I'm all for people reclaiming this stuff. Why not? Yeah. Um, So I did say 2018. The album came out 2018. But the vinyl, of course, as you pointed out, was released just this year. Um uh, so who who did our artwork? Uh, is that oh, Jeff? My buddy Jeff Tice. Tice is how and it's pronounced. Okay. He is a he's a Denver comedian who's very funny in his own right, mm-hmm. but he's such a good artist, and he's yeah, one of those sure. who, like doesn't need it because he has this very uh, lucrative graphic design job where he works for major companies and makes oh, a lot of money okay. doing it, um, or does fine. Sure, but sure. he's become just a very go-to guy for comedy posters and artwork so lots of shows in new york and la are using jeff tice and i don't know if you're aware of like dave clock oh yeah i love this shit yeah yeah dave in my opinion sort of passed the comedy poster baton to jeff okay so you see hot tub in la and Mm -hmm. you know uh butter boy in new york city like jeff's doing stuff for them so it's it's cool it's been fun to watch jeff sort of rise in prominence as a comedy artist i'm a big big fan of that dude what it, what do you we haven't talked about this kind of thing in a while because I uh, it just doesn't come up as much because I uh, why why were you as excited to have a vinyl record as you were I know why I'm going to be excited once that happens but I like to know what why it matters to you I don't know I mean this Comedy Central album was so cool and it's the first thing I've done with Comedy Central and I was delighted by that fact but then I remember when we were doing the marketing and stuff they're like. We're not even going to make CDs. No one buys CDs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it'll be a digital download. So it's like this vague, it's not physical. It's just in the ether yeah. is my album somewhere. Um, and we printed up little posters and gave digital download codes, but it's still like not the same. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of felt intangible. Yeah. And vinyl is the definition of tangible. Mm-hmm. So it, for, when it comes to music and, and entertainment, you know, that you listen to audio. And uh, so I just always wanted that. And it just seemed like a way to make it more permanent. You know, I've done other two albums on um, a local label called Greater Than. Mm-hmm. And those were more in the era of CDs being relevant. So they'd be these like release parties and people would buy your CD and you'd sign it. And it was just cool. You felt like a proper artist. Yeah. Uh, so when the digital download, when the Comedy Central album came, it was torn because it's like, dude, I'm on Comedy Central. I've, this is more legit than I've ever done it. Um, but also there's nothing physical to show that. Yeah. So yeah. it was really a double whammy when like, Saddle Creek, which is a record that label that I absolutely love mm-hmm. and have kind of worshipped from afar for my whole life. Um, when they agreed, wanted to put it out, and the Comedy Central agreed, mm-hmm. it was like, man, the coolest thing ever. Well, because that's the hard. I mean, not to get too much into the the dirt of it, but like that's the hardest thing in the world is make like, getting two companies to agree, especially when one, when one of them is owned by Viacom, to Dude. have you know have them be willing to be like, yeah, sure, someone else can release our shit. Why not? And there's this great producer at Comedy Central. I have a new album coming out at Comedy Central. Shameless plug on August third. I got another oh, album wow. coming out, Amazing. which I'm very excited about. And I worked with the same producer on who I worked on this album. His name Jeremy Westfall, mm-hmm. and that dude was like so cool and convincing the corporate overlords like this doesn't matter it'll be a small release of records let yeah. let them do it it's a cool label and he got through them and they did it so i was very all shout out to jeremy for helping make that happen i mean there's there's something to be said for the fact that you know most even if you record your own sets it's still relatively ethereal it's still it's gone the second it's done even if you your set has is to the letter every night which is rare you right. know, so the right. idea I understand wanting something not just permanent, but something that could potentially be a piece of art in somebody's home. Like I have a bunch of records hung up in my place, especially once yeah. they're signed. You know, yeah. it it and, and it does. You know, there's something to there is a sense of accomplishment, right? Well, and and you know, I got a one and a half year old now, so it's like I want him down the road to be like, this is my dad's album, right? When he's like in college or whatever, and then they'll unearth a record player from whatever apocalyptic wasteland they're in they'll dig it up out of a lithium mine mm-hmm. and they'll listen to it and then they'll be like wow better times <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it'll it's gonna be it is going to be anything before this year is a relic now a weird relic of a time uh, when certain shit my wife and i were talking about that last night and it's like all my career plans and things i had going it's like mm-hmm. forget it it'll be yeah. a it'll be a different approach come post COVID, but yeah. I mean, and especially for somebody who's got to perform in front of physical human beings. Um, I understand people are doing more outdoor comedy. That has become a solution. Uh, I've done one and uh I'm doing another one in a month. The one I did was at a brewery and it was weird, but it was also great. Like it was just so nice. Everyone was rusty. The audience was just kind of there (laughs) because they were at the brewery, you know, like they were maybe half like, half for comedy, half for the brewery. Mm-hmm. But all the comics were like, that was the best night I've had in months. <laughs> um, and God, I'm organizing one, uh, and it, like that's in a couple of weeks with my mm-hmm. buddies that I think will be, it's at a outdoor amphitheater. So I think it'll be more like intentional. I'm, I'm excited for it. But is yes, it, 
it's that's a, a it's thing. A it's, does it feel like starting over a little bit, like just a smidge? Where if you're that rusty because you literally have not had the opportunity to do it? You know, you know where it showed, and and this is like some super insider comedy nerd shit. But that's your this is your podcast. Yeah. Um, it was in the sort of riffing in the moment. That's when you can tell you're like sharp comedically. Mm-hmm. And so it's outdoors at a brewery and I'm telling my jokes and they're going fine. Even trying new shit about coronavirus because mm-hmm. how can you not? Yeah. And uh, and a car alarm keeps going off. And then like a bus drove by and somebody yelled something. And normally you'd like have the perfect response back <laughs> to the material. But it just kind of like got me off my game rather than mm-hmm. so rather than being like, Funny retort. I'm in charge. Back to the material. It was like, where was I? You know, it was kind of, a, <laughs> it was kind of like a stammering moment. And and when you're in game shape, you don't have those. You know, people people don't appreciate the level of improv skill you have to have if you're a stand up. That is one thing that I, does I mean, not I, often come up. More some than others, for sure. But, sure. You know, four months on the bench mm-hmm. definitely fills that edge a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like I. I perform on stage once a month normally, but it is not stand-up. I don't do stand-up. The thing that I do is is just performing with other people where we have lines and we get to take our time. And there's rarely improv. And if it is, it's drunk and stupid. So I I, I feel for you. I cannot relate. Um, I, this is sketch? one thing. That's comedy or... Uh, yeah, I mostly, well, I normally do sketch, but the thing that I do live, this is the weird thing. My sketch comedy has never been performed live. It's either on video or on yeah. audio. I've made a bunch of albums, uh, never on vinyl yet, uh, which sucks, but, You'll uh, I, 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 we'll see <laughs> maybe <laughs> if vinyl still exists. That's the other thing, by the way, for anybody listening who doesn't know, like one of the world's biggest vinyl pressing plants burned before all this shit happened too. So now oh, it's harder to get vinyl. You can get it made. It just takes longer now. I only know because a friend of mine runs one of the bigger comedy record labels, and he's like, "Uh, yeah, just so you know." And I'm like, "Oh, oh wow. fuck!" And I'm he's like, "Fortunately, I don't usually go through this place as much, but it's still you know it slows everything down." Um. But yeah, I do the, I, you know, I do a show that is just, you know, there's no, uh, there's not really much stand-up involved, so we can do it by Zoom. Uh, we can't, I've stand-ups talk about doing it, their work by Zoom, and that just makes no sense to me. I can't imagine doing Dude, a Zoom, Zoom show. Zoom shows are brutal. I've done a number of them, because like when this show started, you know, you want to see what's, what's the new landscape. Of course. And it's yeah. very, it made, the first one I did made me like legit depressed Ugh. for like three days. I was just like. That was awful. I, I'd rather not perform than do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then I've done a couple others where it's like they put it up so you can people can laugh. You can see the pe- and hear the people laughing. That's a little better, yeah. but it's still so fucking awkward. It's not not good. I mean, if you stick to your bits, you're screwed. You should just riff and be silly mm-hmm. and do visual gags and bring crap in. And- yeah, isn't that weird that you just just by dint of what you're of the technology, you have to sort of become carrot top a little, a little. A little. Bit. I mean, I just keep pulling shit up and like being like, "This is my sponsor," you know, and like mm-hmm. just <laughs> shouting out to different sponsors throughout this after every joke. You yeah, because it, it's its own thing, man. Like it is not. Uh, I mean, this is why I was thinking about this recently because a lot of people come on like. Yeah, I can only do stand-up. I can't imagine doing improv or vice versa. And I usually say uh, the reason I won't do improv or stand-up is because uh, I think it's uh, sort of shitty to say, you know, I've been thinking about stand-up. It's like, no, you don't. If, if you really have. I feel like, am I wrong? Is it a thing where at least, uh, where you have to do it? Is that how you feel? Where you have to do what? Stand-up. Yeah, where you stand-up is a thing that you need to do. 
Oh yeah, man. So many people. Oh, like I, like me personally need to. Yeah, be- because yeah. It, like a lot of people are like I should try. It's like maybe don't just try it. I feel like it has to be a gut thing where you really yeah it has to take to hold it. of you for yeah. sure. But I mean, I, I would. I'm not that cruel about it. Like if mm-hmm. you're like maybe I should try it mm-hmm. and you try it, I feel like that. I feel like when you try it, that's when it's the heroin shot. Sure. And you're like ah, this forever. But mm-hmm. so if you're like maybe. I, I suggest trying it because you could very quickly be disavowed of that. That's notion, true. That makes sense. Which is so, you know, and everyone puts so much, you know, fear into it, but it's like, go to a shitty open mic. No one will know. Mm-hmm. The world course of the world will not change if you do great or if you bomb. Fair. And, right. uh, and then you'll know. But, <laughs> but anyway, like I, I agree with the, you shouldn't be a hobby comic once you start doing it. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 I, guess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Your first, your first try. I still won't do it because it frightens the shit out of me. I can do improv, but the idea of doing stand-up. I've done both. Uh, improv mm-hmm. is scary to me, but I, I definitely am not as big a hater. I used to be, it's like stand-up versus improv. Okay, yeah. And then it's like, who cares? We're all <laughs> the same nerds. Like, it's all good. Well, I mean, there's also an element of most stand-ups, again, most, like have the capability of adapting. Uh, otherwise, they they're not going to survive. So there's an element of improv. The there. riffing, the you know, in the moment, yeah. Yeah, and sure. there's some people like Jimmy Pardo who do almost nothing but improv, but it is still stand up. Yeah, for sure. But there are also, and I know this as an improviser, you've got shit in the back of your mind. You've got gags ready to go if you need them. That do is, you? That is that is. I mean, at the very least, you've got shit that you can always pull from. It's the the sort of the old vaudeville thing where like. Oh, if this bit doesn't work, fine. You break out the fish joke, whatever it is. You know the fish gag. Like I so got if this you... banana peel in my pocket, burning exactly. a hole. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a thing planned, there's an element of of writing. There's an element of I won't say stand up, but it's similar enough. There's enough planning where there's so much crossover that you know there's really no point in differentiating. It's just a slightly different approach to the same friggin' idea. I agree, man. You're all dancing around the same muse. So yeah. I, and that's this is what being an old man gets you because earlier i'm like fucking improv nerd stand up for life like yeah. but now i'm like Dude, we're all just trying to make people laugh it's okay <laughs> i will say stand up works better as an album um something yeah. scripted works better usually than improv on an album yeah i'd only want to see one percent of the top improvers in the world just doing it on an album that, yeah. like okay go for it and I'll, I'll think this could work but yeah i i can imagine can I also tell you what a relief it is to, to listen? Now, I've, I've heard you before, and I've seen you before, uh, you know, I, and, I, and I knew that I would find you funny, but it is one of those things where anytime I'm sent a new album, there's always a little bit of worry that somebody's gone over the edge and they've turned insane. You never know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, ever, or I, because I used to get, I don't want to shit talk anybody. I used to get guests where I realized I hadn't vetted their comedy before I had them on. You know what I'm got saying? It, got it, got it. And this is one of those records that, just to put it, uh, uh, it's on the right side of history. We'll just say that. Like, uh, you're an open-minded gentleman with a brain in his head. And that's oh. not always, you know, there's some things on here. Like, literally, the name of the second track on this album is Least Favorite Race. And I roughly knew where you were going, but I'm like, where? And, and I knew. And I'm like, okay, I know he's being ironic, but I... Does he pull it off? And yes, yeah, sure. it's pulled off brilliantly. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. 
but it's one of those things where you get afraid. And so therefore you've got it. You've got a, a, a piece of your own legacy there to pass on to your child. And also you get to pass on a reminder that, Hey, daddy was on the right side of history. Man. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You know there's I mean? a lot of comics out there that are just not on that right side of history. Uh-huh. And we can call it what it is just like liberal open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm firmly in that camp. My dad's a civil rights attorney. Amazing. I was, this is my, how I was raised. So I, mm-hmm. I uh, pride myself on, a little bit more thoughtful than your average comic yeah no i well you know and i i will say also early on i've been doing this show for almost 10 years like early on the disc i i always was trying to like pick the brain of comics who i'm like and they're like well the laugh is the only thing that matters and i would try and dig in a little bit more and be like okay yeah i get that that yeah technically sure but don't you want the laugh to come from the right place right for sure who wants to perform in front of a bunch of people who were I mean, unless you think you're going to change their minds, why would you want to perform a bunch of people who were laughing for the wrong reasons? Absolutely. And I, and I think people also are like, you know, I'll always get asked the question in interviews because journalists like to think they're getting a gotcha moment, but they're mm-hmm. like, is there anything that's offsides? Is there anything you can't joke about? And they're expecting you to go down the rabbit hole of whatever was some yeah. comic joked about controversially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, you can joke about anything, but what's your angle of attack and why are you joking about it like if you're joking about it for a cheap laugh if you're doing it just in a mean bullied way or to get bad boy points for doing controversial material then i just really think you're you're not realizing the potential of the art form and also just lazy yeah yeah why why is that so hard for so many people to understand is what i don't a lot of dumb fucks in this field (laughs) who are bro idiots that just want to be cool and i i don't have much patience for it it's fair that's fair i mean <laughs> neither do i i you know and i i, I, I there's also been i feel like a you know a, a um what do you call it? a thread in my own interviewing where i have quite often just been like oh when i hear something terrible or stupid from someone it doesn't happen that often i I, i'm making it sound like i've just interviewed a bunch of ku klux klan members on my podcast that's never happened all right comedians and that's it (laughs) right just that's it that's that's all i do but yeah no they're just i don't know i just i feel like we have leaned towards again the right side of history in the last few years people opening their minds and I feel like after this year, if you somehow aren't paying attention and your act doesn't change, if it was something else, like really, like what are you even doing? I totally point? agree. And, I, and, and especially after this year, but if you were, I, you should have been doing this for years. Like, yeah. you know, there is a certain, and you know this probably with improv too. Uh, it's almost like a, when you start doing improv or comedy, you're like a child seeing what you can get away with. Absolutely. Like, yeah. you test the boundaries and you're like, Here's my abortion joke. Here's mm-hmm. my trying to be blue and racy, and you and you, you're so young and naive in the art form that you feel like a badass getting away with something. Yeah. If you don't self-edit and review and be like, I don't need that joke. That's easy. That's lazy. Mm-hmm. How are you evolving as an artist? You're not. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really. I'm not going to hang on with you that long as a fan. Yeah. If you're not sort of improving, and uh, and and trying to sort of ask why you're tell- talking about the things you're talking about yeah anyways that's my high horse no 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 i'm i'm glad you're on that high horse i i you know i it's one of those things too where a lot of comics are not necessarily maybe unless they're asked about it going to have the opportunity to say those things out loud because sure. you also feel you you also hope my art is speaking for itself i i shouldn't necessarily need to say this unless it's within my art so you know 
I, I also get that. Um, so we have a rough idea of uh, where some of your comedy comes from, aka you were raised right by a human. Uh, I'd like to know a little bit by about though, like who were your biggest? I, I, I'm sorry to, to ask the influences question, but I I would like to know what your biggest influences were. It doesn't necessarily have to be another stand up, but I'd like to know what got you into it. In stand up comedy, mm -hmm. or mean, comedy in general. Well, comedy in general was always like the thing I liked the most. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I mean, I, I negotiated my bedtime to after Letterman's top 10. So I got to watch, yeah. I got to watch the opening monologue. They do a weird bit and the top 10. And so like that, you know, I'm doing this as a 11 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And so I clearly like liked it. And I remember it at school one time there was an assembly and everybody at my small private school had to give a speech. And it was like the biggest, source of fear amongst everybody i think it was like seventh or eighth grade it was that year you had to give like a one or two minute speech to practice public speaking and i just it was i was a wallflower nobody liked me at that school i didn't like anybody at that school mm -hmm. and i wrote a top 10 list and <laughs> fucking destroyed it so and all the other kids, you know nobody else could do a speech they like stammered nervously and i just read my top 10 and crushed it and for that next day i was like Okay, and then it was back to the nerd table. Sure. But I filed that away somewhere deep. And uh, and so then I got to high school and started writing for the newspaper. And we just did our onion ripoff impression all yes. the time. You know, Simpsons was my, I worshipped at that altar. And of course. Got into really into Wes Anderson. This is it very funny? I love Wes Anderson. Uh, mm -hmm. so all those influences. But when it came to hard stand-up, I went to an open mic in Denver because I was curious about it. Okay. I had lived in Chicago briefly and taken classes at Second City. I took sketch writing and improv. Okay. Because I was flirting with comedy, but I didn't like either of them. <laughs> I liked the sketch a little bit, but I didn't, I don't think I liked Second City. It was very rigid and whatever. Um, moved back to Denver for a writing job, went to an open mic and saw how bad that comedy was. Mm hmm. And, and, and that, for some reason allowed me to try it because I okay. knew I wouldn't be as bad as those guys. And I went back weird. the next week and that was 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I've been doing it ever since. What? I mean, was, did you, now did you feel immediately hooked or I mean, and, or even how was the first set even at the well, I should mic? I should say, uh, Prior to that open mic, I met a comic. I met a guy at a bar named Ben Roy, mm -hmm. who uh, is now my dearest friend. We had a TV show together. A great comic in his own right, Ben Roy. Mm -hmm. But I met Ben at a bar, and he's like, I'm a comic. And I later learned he'd been doing it like six months, which is hilarious, he would say. Mm -hmm. He was a comic. Mm -hmm. but I, and I was just like, it just demystified it. I was like, oh, I've never met a comedian. I okay. thought you had to be on TV to be a comic. And he's like, no, I do it here. I sometimes do it at the club. And so he pointed me to the open mic and I saw him go up and he was funny. Saw a couple other dudes go up. They were funny. And the rest were just such shit that I was like, oh, there's levels here. Mm -hmm. I can certainly be the seventh funniest person in this room out of <laughs> 25. On right. That seems worth trying. Uh, so I did. And, and there you go. That's so good. Do you have any idea what your first set was? Do you have any rough idea? I do because I, I went over it in my head backwards and forwards and memorized it and you know lame stuff my first joke was about having a hyphenated last name uh-huh and how uh you know 
I can't forget what it is, but it was like, it's a competition for my parents. Whoever dies first, I'm getting rid of their name was basically <laughs> like, so it's like a, it's a, you know, a competition for them to out, outlive the other. It was something like that. Joke. That's not a bad joke though. Not a bad joke. I, it was better than that, but it was in that vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're now making me think. I would desperately love to see once the world is back in order. First of all, I'd love to see the world be back in order. That's number one. That'd be great. Um, number two, I'd like less racists. Is, are you a genie? Is this what's happening? Is this why am I asking for you for number three? I would love to see artists who would be willing to recreate that first set. Oh man, that'd be. I fun. would like to see that. That'd be a cool like digital short series. Like mm-hmm. go to the place. And they're all old and bald and fat, and they're like have to pretend they're doing their like twenty three year old jokes. It'd be great. All right, well, this is my new project, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my first set uh, coming to you next year. That would be amazing. Dude, my God. I would, I would, uh, I'll be on your show. See, ladies. By the way, did I speaking of your last name? Did I emphasize it properly? I'm realizing I may not have. You nailed because, it. I, did I'm I? Okay. Very on the lookout for that. So yeah, you did. Okay, because I. Because sometimes I, I wasn't sure, do I emphasize the Caton or do I emphasize the Holland first? Okay, you know. okay good. All right, okay, good. So I didn't F it up. That's good. People get my name wrong all the time, and I like to ask, and I forgot to ask you ahead of time. Um, so Appreciate let us talk a little bit more about this record. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I don't See, I'm realizing it's not as easy to interview somebody about their own record. Uh, it yeah, was... it's weird, too. It's hard to talk about your own record like, well... <laughs> When I started talking about my dick from minutes 7 to 11, I think you can really, really see that I am a woke individual. (laughs) You know what I would like to know, though, like, for you, what was the process in terms of, like, how long did it take to get here? In terms of how long were you working on all this material? Was some of this any reworked older stuff in terms of stuff that you used before, maybe pulled back out, or was it all brand new? Generally, what was the process of making it? I probably, you know, I've had a pretty good comedy work ethic. I think a lot of Denver comics have because we just don't have anything else. So it's like, get your hour and make it great. Mm -hmm. And so I put out two albums before this. um, But I probably, there's probably about two years worth of stuff on there that Mm -hmm. I find. And I feel just like at some point, you just know, you're like, this is, I'm crushing with this hour. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to change anything. And I also had gotten a half hour of Comedy Central, which comes with an album deal. So I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't try to overthink it or be too precious about it. If, it's, if I like the stuff uh, and I'm not crazy sick of it yet, mm-hmm. then it's good to go. Um, and I think that's kind of a way most albums should be. It's like, dude, stop, stop fine tuning. Like, it's a time and a place. You nailed it. It's going, you're getting laughs. Done. This hour's done. See, is th- that's something that uh, doesn't come up often either. Is I will tell you, a lot of the times uh, at the end of a re- uh, talking about a record on this show, usually it'll be old. And I again, I'm slowly but surely trying to weed out stuff that I absolutely either hate or you know I'm starting to realize, oh shit, I should never have liked that in the first place because it's terrible. Uh, because you know, you, you I, I I try to avoid the oh well, you know, it's a different time. But I will say one of the things that comes up a lot is it was a snapshot of the blank decade it was a snapshot of this but i mean it's unavoidable that it definitely is a snapshot of the night yeah of course of course that's why i like leaving in little riffs or you know and on this album you can hear bocce balls rolling above head because i was in the basement of new york 
and they have bocce ball courts above. And like, that's funny. Um, So I'm not too, I think I'm maybe a little bit more lax than most comedians, but I feel with regard to that, with Mm -hmm. like being like, it's done. You don't need to fine tune it anymore. Um, The note process wasn't that hard. You you know, just like where you stumble over a line or something, just those kind of changes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's the way to go for me. Snapshot of a night. Yeah. And it's a live album. You know, right. if it was like supposed to be, a, it's not, that's the difference between being a, a studio musician and making an album mm-hmm. and doing a live album. Uh, we can't go into the studio unless you're doing some, you know, Adam Sandler, Bob Newhart, weird bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of a live performance, just let it be live. What, how would you function? This is something that, that I think about a lot. I've only had a couple comics on here who have done it. Uh, how would you feel if you had the pressure to do a brand new hour every year, like say at the Edinburgh Fringe, which is there are standups who I, I have interviewed who I think for 12 years have done a new hour, recorded it, and then it goes into the ether. They don't even turn it into to an album, which in my brain is a waste, but do what you're going to do. How, how would you function in that? I mean, I would function just fine. Mm-hmm. I could do that, no problem. But mm-hmm. it's the financial aspect. Like, could yeah, I do that's that huge. And be a struggling artist, and and like, if I could do that, and I'm getting paid to do that, yeah, by all means. But I, you know, I write scripts and find other ways to pay the bills. Like, I don't think currently I could do that. Just, I don't think I could pay, afford to do that. <laughs> right. I mean, well, that's just it. I mean, you're paying for your own way for all of it, and that's what right, blows my right. mind too. Is how if the I'm, fuck are they if doing? I'm, you know. Bill Burr or something or Mulaney and everybody wants me in a theater 30 days out of the month in better times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can turn out material like that. You got so many opportunities to work on it. It's true. So it's, it's, but to those Edinburgh dogs that like, I was going to go to Edinburgh this August for the first time ever. I was really? So Fuck. Gone. That's gone. God Maybe damn it. Um, but those guys, those British and UK comics, like that is incredible to me. That's mm-hmm. truly an artist driven to just like in love with the form. And I'm, I'm blown away by that level of commitment because I, I'd have it if I could afford to have it. Right. But they, they don't even care. They're like, well, I'm just dirt poor and that's how it is. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. It, I mean, to be fair, they also do have um, a, uh, you know, something of a, uh, what's what's the word? Not a golden parachute. It's the opposite. It's what poor people have. Safety net. There's more of a social safety net there. Um, so it's, you know, maybe a little easier to explore your passions a little bit. Yeah. You know, free health care, things like that. <laughs> Fucking A, man. You're very right about that. Uh, we live in a real fun time and place where, you know, it's it's not uh, emphasized that you're allowed to be an artist if you want to be a fucking artist. I know. Uh, <sighs> And people sort of forget, I think, that stand-up is an art. I, I do think there are some people maybe that I speak to, speaking to what I was talking about earlier, who maybe maybe they don't feel like their stand-up is an art. Maybe that's not how they look at it. And maybe they think they're not being pretentious by not thinking of it as art. But I just think, don't you give it more effort or, or a little bit more love if you think of it as an art? Yeah, I think it's, one of, it's, a, it's a slippery slope because if you start being like, I'm an artist, mm-hmm. then you become real pretentious. And that's sort of the death of comedy. Mm-hmm. So I think most comics, if you pin them in a corner, will 100% be like, this is as valid an art form as anything out there. Mm-hmm. But you start going around saying that, you sound like a real asshole. It's kind of, you kind of, kind of let, so we know it, but mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about it because it makes us feel itchy to have mm-hmm. 
told that we're being profound and important. We're like, I tell dick jokes and it's a quick way out the back door. Yeah. Uh, so we, I think it's like we don't like talking about it, but we, we acknowledge that fact. I would like to see you in an ascot up on stage being a pretentious artist stand up, though. I wouldn't turn that away. That would I be got a solid. A closet day. full of cardigans gathering dust Please. right now. Please. They were ready for Edinburgh. And <laughs> I don't care if it's August and hot as shit. I was going to wear a fuck. cardigan every show. So don't worry. This pretension comes real easy with this guy. I don't need okay, pushing good. in that direction. Good, good. Well, I'm just hoping one day, yeah, I see you in a smoking jacket and a pipe on stage and a monocle. And, um,. Adam Caden Holland is all all of a sudden become the comedian's gentleman. Um, and you're like, that yeah. was terrible. That was <laughs> awful. And it was two hours. Wow. <laughs> but it was art. It was art. It was art. <laughs> God damn it, it was art. I uh, is it is there a uh, a choice behind? I'm sorry. I love colored vinyl. So is there a choice behind it other than it matches the art that was already made for the record? Is that how it went, or what was your choice behind? It, it is honest to God. I have never seen this color vinyl in my life. I've never well, seen it. It was. It matched the writing. Yeah. And honestly, the Saddle Creek guys were high on it. They were mm -hmm. like, "This looked dope." Because the photo they sent me was not as cool as it actually looks. Oh, okay. And trust me, it looks better in execution, and I love it. It literally looks like honey. I like that is what it looks like. It's like honey has been turned into a record. Hell yeah. It's a good color. I've never seen that color vinyl in my whole life. Well, I'm yeah. glad you dig it. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's a good record. Again, you look so stern on this cover. So stern. I told my buddy Civil War General. Mm -hmm. He's like, cool. It's from a real photo, but it, mm -hmm. it. It's, it is. It's the sternness. It's the beard. Don't get me wrong. That's a huge part of it, too. Union Civil War General. Yep. Well, yeah. You know what? You know what? That's a very good point. Union Civil War General. Um, uh, <laughs> the the record is delightful. The packaging is great. Um, tell people where they can find it. We don't have to end it here because I have a couple other questions, but I, I do want you to tell people where they can get it. Uh, then get it on saddlecreek.com. Saddle-creek.com. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you know people listening to this. It's the first comedy album that's ever been on that label. And I'm from Denver. The record the label's out of Omaha. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's it's Bright Eyes and Cursive and That's all crazy. the sad bastard singer songwriters <laughs> of the Midwest. Uh, that's what this album is, and I'm just floored they would respond to my vibe comedically enough to put out the album. That's uh, nuts to be a, a label's first comedy record. That's not nothing, man. It's great, and I'm telling you, like I, I this. You know, when I was 19, I heard Bright Eyes for the first time ever. And I remember reading a review of him in Rolling Stone, and it was so effusive. They're like, he's the bright, he's the Bob Dylan of the Plains, and blah, blah, blah. And it was very hyperbolic, but yeah. all I registered was like, whoa, 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 this dude's making this much noise out of Omaha, Nebraska? Right. And it was like, I live in Denver. That's bigger than Omaha. Like, maybe I can make it out of here. And it sort of led to this rabbit hole of, you know, write what you know and, and be where you're from and don't, you don't have to go to LA or New York to make it. It really just like fed a whole ethos that I've kind of lived my life by mm -hmm. so that Saddle Creek helped me grow in a lot of ways. So for them to come around years later and be like, we like you enough to put out your shit is like a, a real dream come true. It's very cool. No, it's fucking remarkable. That's so good. I love hearing that stuff. I, I not just uh, you know, it's great to have a an album come out, but you know, you can also self publish. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with self publishing your own shit. Nothing at all. Nothing right. At all. But it, it's it, it it is great 
when to have that's that's a nice little bit of validation from something that you a place that you give a shit about for sure um, and you, you were talking about art you know comedy is art and i don't how we don't like to say that but when a <laughs> label that's been making art that you love for so long is like we like your shit it make it gives you a nice little pat on the back it's like I'm, i think i'm going the right way you just made me realize that is what comedians call art. their own their own art yeah it's my shit my shit <laughs> That's, we have such a base level of self-loathing. It's hard mm-hmm. to pull out anything eloquent about ourselves. And like, also, this is a record where you're making some valid social points in a fun and creative way, and you still refer to it as dick jokes. Like, that is like code for like, yeah, no, I tell a bunch of dick jokes. Like, I feel like there are people who say that and haven't told a dick joke in their entire careers. But... I know, I know. <laughs> but those are my favorite types of comics. They're not the ones who are mm-hmm. self-effacing. Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to be, right? Um, uh, so I want to, before I let you go, and I, again, appreciate you've been very patient through some crazy scheduling problems that it's were all, all good. on, this on my fun end. Here. I'm happy to do it. Well, thank you. Uh, are there, okay, have, are there comedy records that have ever been recommended to you that you haven't actually sat down and listened to? Has anybody ever, because rec- I will tell you, you're not alone. I have had a lot of comics of our age, slightly young, definitely younger, but even older who are like, I never listened to a comedy record. So I don't know what your exposure was at all to people saying, hey, you know, you should listen to this or blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like that. No one no one dropped. But once I started doing comedy, mm-hmm. people started telling me things I should listen to. And it was not necessarily vinyl, but just sure. albums that I yeah, should yeah, any album. go down the rabbit hole of this comedian. Um, for me, one that really did it, I was kind of talking about how I wrote for a newspaper in Denver Mm-hmm. And uh, the music editor and I were friends and he, it was like the all weekly of Denver and he got albums all the time because he's the music editor. People just sent him stuff from, and he got this one comedy double album and it was called, it was invite them up. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that. I don't. Um, it was a show ran in New York for a long time by Eugene Merman and Bobby Tisdale. Oh my God. It was a double CD. And honestly, I hadn't, and it was like all the indie kings. It was like the dudes from Stella, like Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter, um, early Berbiglia, Eugene Merman, like Aziz was on that, you know, like, and it was, it was uh, just indie comedy out of New York in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it's just jam packed. Every track is a different artist. And so I got that and that just, that was like the mo- moment in a movie where it's like the seventies and the older brother hands the kid, the album and he puts on his headphones and like, Whoa, like mind expanding. <laughs> it was that for me just cause I just didn't know that comedy could be that free and creative and goofy, but also hyper intelligent. Mm-hmm. A lot of like, you know, the wet hot American summer type vibe of comedy. Yeah. So that album now people would probably be like, yeah, duh. But at the time I got it, it was, you know, 2005, six, and it totally opened my brain to a different type of smarter comedy. I love that. No, that's, that's, I don't know that, A, I've never heard of that particular record, but I haven't heard of a recent, like, comedy sampler in forever. I know. It was, the show itself was called Invite Them Up. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it was Eugene Merman and Bobby Tisdale hosted it, and uh, it's, you should you should check it out. I feel yeah, like you, I'm going you especially to. would be very into it. And you'll I'm I'm only I'm blanking on half the artists on there, but they're all sure. our favorite comics. Like it's very so cool. Good. 
That's really Delaney. good. Okay. Delaney's on there. Nick Kroll's on there. Like, it's Holy really crap. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm I'm going to I'm 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 writing it down right now because I might be on there. It's good that's shit. So good. Okay. I'm gonna hunt this down. I'm gonna yeah. get it. Um, holy shit, is it expensive on CD? So I'm gonna get the MP3 version. Uh, <laughs> that CD is a $36 CD right now because yeah. it is way out of print. Double CD. It just wow. came to the offices of the newspaper I was writing for, and the music editor's like, "You'd like this. You do comedy." Yeah, and yeah. It on my desk. Holy shit. I'm sorry, but just I'm looking. I, I, just a quick, a quick look, and it's yeah, like, indeed. that's insane. Um, first of all, that's also something. By the way, if anybody's listening, re-release this thing on, but put it on vinyl, please. Right. Um, that's remarkable. Um, shit, I got so distracted by that, I forgot to ask. No, you. I know. You look at the artists <laughs> on the back. Uh, it's it's stunning how, what a collection of talent that is. Eugene Merman, by the way, I still I still can't get his company to send me his his record because um, it was seven vinyl records in one box set and um, oh, wow, including I think one whole record or one whole side that is different types of orgasms. Um, it was an experimental comedy He's record so that funny. I desperately He's want. He's insane. Um, Adam, this has been uh, a lot of fun. I really, yeah. really, really appreciate you talking to me. Of course. Um, and I appreciate you making good comedy. Not just good comedy, but well-intentioned comedy. You don't understand how important that is to me. No, so, I, that's nice of you to say, and it's important to me as well, so thanks for recognizing that. I have seven hundred or so records here, comedy records, and I and I tried one year to listen to them all, oh, or, oh. or at least one a day. Yowza. And um, just so you know, most comedy records are garbage, and I do a podcast about them. <laughs> so it's like it's nice when when something comes along that is good and i realize it again this is a snapshot of a certain era which to me is an era where comedy is getting better for me anyway yeah, you know? a bit of, there's a lot of good stuff out there with just a little bit of research mm -hmm. uh, and why not reward the artists that are uh putting out quality shit and thoughtful shit Agreed. And uh, I will just quickly, I know he doesn't listen, but thank you to Scott Ackerman for exposing me to you because I, I think you're the, that's the first place I probably heard you was on Comedy Bang Bang. Yay, um, Scott Ackerman. He's great hey, too. He's a delight. Um, Adam, uh, one more time, you can get this at saddle-creekrecords.com, yep. right? Yep. Uh, where can people follow you? Do you have anything coming up? Yeah, adamcatonholland.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember if there's a hyphen or not. Just Google Adam Caton Holland mm -hmm. and, and go to my website. I have a new album, another Comedy Central album, out August 3rd, mm -hmm. called Semblance of Normalcy. And uh, I do a podcast called The Grawlix Saves the World. It's mm -hmm. a delight. We're having a lot of fun. The Grawlix, G-R-A-W-L-I-X, Saves the World. Love it. Thank you so much for doing the show. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm glad it finally worked out. Everybody, please pick up Adam's record. I, I, I never get to say this. Please pick up the record and get it on vinyl. Come on. It's a beautiful honey-colored record. You, you could do you, worse. You, could you do absolutely worse. could do worse. You could do worse. <laughs> when you think of my name, think of that. Yep. <laughs> I'm the biggest idiot. Um, thank you guys for listening, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. 
give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Undress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs>